the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Do you ever get up and say, I can't wait to go to work? Seriously, do you ever wake up in the morning and say, I I wish I could be at work right now? I I do that every day. Sincerely, there there is not a day gone by since I have been involved with the Blaze Radio that I have not said, man... I wish I could be right there, right... I, I know it's 4 o'clock in the morning, but I wish it was noon East Coast time. That's how fortunate I am. And I realize that I'm very fortunate, so I'm very thankful. And I personally thank each and every one of you for helping me, helping me have this opportunity. It is you who give me, every day, the inspiration, the strength, and the support to continue wading through the ocean of stupidity in order to find the nuggets of hope. And today I have nuggets of hope. Some of them are are not just nuggets. Some of them are boulders of hope. So we'll get to that. Of course, we're going to get into whatever the hell has gone on in North Korea in the last 21 hours since last we met. Plus, there are a couple of other things that we have to get to. The Cuban embassy story? Yeah, we're going to get into that. We're also going to talk about uh, the Mooch and his next gig. And today, just today alone, we have a really good chance. uh, We're going to talk to a former Marine fighter pilot about, really about what's at stake with this battle uh, with with North Korea. And I don't mean to use the word battle as if it's an armed conflict that we're going to be having, but the current engagement we have with North Korea. So hopefully that'll happen. But at the bottom of this very hour, I want to introduce you to a guy who's been on the show a couple times over the years when we were on Saturdays. But I think he's going to be joining us weekly to, to talk about something re- really important to you and to me and to everyone else, and that's food. My buddy Phil Lempert, who is the supermarket guru, Phil's going to join us and, and talk with us about, about food. Um, also, also today I have to venture into a, an area there that uh, might make some of you uncomfortable. Uh, we actually have a, a writer at The Blaze who has been dubbed unofficially. I do not think it's on her business cards, but she's been dubbed the junk correspondent of The Blaze, and it's not about trash. It's not about refuse. It's about junk. And I think I'm going to step into Kate Scanlon's turf today in a little bit, not right off the blocks. So i got to work up to it. I actually have to get a little, uh, a little courage, not liquid courage, Jeffy, but just courage. But I want to open up today with a suggestion that, that each one of you might consider today. And maybe every day for the rest of the week until we, we hit the goal. A little earlier, if you heard Glenn talking about helping, helping uh, Bubby, the little boy that has the mitochondrial disease. Uh, if you heard that story, then you heard... The call 
for assistance because the parents got a, a note basically saying the insurance company is going to uh, back off their support and what they initially said they were going to do. This kid has the same disease that Charlie Gard was diagnosed with. So I, I have posted the link. I retweeted Glenn's, Glenn's tweet to help Russell Cruzon, who's also known as Bubby. Let's help Bubby. The youcaring.com link to Bubby. But here's my plan. And I know, I know, I know, Dr. Jorge would say, no, we don't want to skip a meal. We want to have a small... No, I think skip lunch for Bubby. Skip lunch for Bubby. Hashtag skip lunch for Bubby. Maybe you'll put it on, on your Twitter account too. Donate what you normally would spend on lunch for this cause. And if you do it for one day, even if, it, even if you were getting the $5 deal at Subway or you were going to get some other deal, even if you were just going to get that, if you donated the 5 bucks, you could help this family out. And they sound like they need it. They're, it's moving fairly well. The You Caring, which is a compassionate crowdfunding, it's all for um, medical expenses to help Bubby get his treatment. So I... I posted a link to it, and maybe you will consider sharing it with your friends. Maybe you'll consider um, doing, doing what I'm doing. And see, I, don't, I actually don't go out. I make my lunch, but I can consider what I would easily spend on lunch, donating today, tomorrow, maybe next week as well, to help uh, this little guy, to help this family. So just... Just an interesting thought to start out the show today. I also, um, I also have to say thank you. Thank you to this audience for stepping up. We talked about this over the weekend. We've talked about it a couple of different times. This story out of SMU, which I could not believe this would happen in Dallas, Texas. I, I could not believe that Southern Methodist University would have actually thought it's a bad idea to have 3,000 miniature American flags on display, that they, they would have thought that, oh, we, we, we can't have that out there because it'll, it'll offend people when they realize it's tied to 9-11. The plan was to move the display of the 3,000 miniature American flags to a less prominent spot on campus. The story hit on the blaze uh, probably about a week ago. The Dallas Morning News picked up on it. The local TV stations picked up on it. Governor Greg Abbott sent a letter to the SMU president, Gerald Turner, asking him to restore the display to, quote, its traditional place of honor, close quote, on the Dallas Hall lawn, where it it has appeared since 2010. According to Abbott's letter, this display is not political, it is not partisan, it is not controversial. It is about our nation united. Each flag represents a life taken, the soul of a family destroyed. Yet each flag also represents a symbol of hope for, as a people united, we remain unbowed. The governor continued, I ask that the 9-11 display not be relegated to a far corner of campus. It should be celebrated in its heart. Thank you, Governor Abbott. 
Yesterday, SMU said the lawn display can stay on the Dallas Hall lawn with an agreement. Now, this is I, I get nervous when they put this stuff in there with an agreement that provides, quote, open spaces for studying classes, events and recreation. Why do you have to put any kind of caveat on it? This just just let it happen. But good for you, young Americans for freedom who were behind this display and good for you, each and every one of you who raised your voice, who tweeted, who called, who wrote and said, can you let this happen? Never, ever give up this fight. I'm sorry, did, was that aggressive? Did that, did that cause any microaggressions among anybody? Never, ever give up the fight for your principles. It's okay to be a little bending in your personal life, personality-wise, but your principles can never change. So um, this is good news. This is very good news. And no one's opinion is being taken away. Everyone's still allowed to say that they don't like it. But I would bet, I would bet, I would bet that you stand out there on, on 9-11 or whenever this display goes up, you stand out there and, and talk negatively about it, you're going to hear other people's opinions too, loudly. In the words of pre former President Bush, whose library is on that campus, we hear you and pretty soon the rest of the world's going to hear you too. Just amazing. So there's more hope today, but this is one of the one of the hopeful things that gives me the the ebullient attitude that I bring or try to bring to you every day as we try and wade through some of the other insanity that's out there. All right, I'm going to step away early cuz when when we come back, I I have to talk about my campaign that I would like to engage I think it's time to start drug testing world leaders. And, you know, I know we can't throw world leaders out if they're caught with drugs in their system, but I just think it would be a good idea. You know, that uh, when they go to these G20 meetings or they show up at the UN, I think the UN Security Council, all of them should have to pee in a cup every time they get together and we should put the results up on that big screen behind them in the UN. We can see what's going on with some of those nut jobs, what's in their systems. But I think all world leaders should be drug tested. And I want to start with the one just north of here. I want to start with the Canadian prime minister. The one they all call the cute one, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, Canada, you make it too easy. <laughs> when your prime minister is elected because he's the cute one. <laughs> it's not a boy band, for God's sakes. <laughs> I love me some Canada, but you're also fun to have fun with. We'll get to you and uh, my story about drug testing world leaders next on Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. It's uh, it's a throwback Thursday. I'm still deciding which throwback picture I will be popping onto the Twitter later today. We were talking about uh, drug testing all the world leaders, right? Because I think it might be required at some point. Uh, we know Donald Trump does not, does not, he claim, he claims ever, ever take uh, drugs. Says he's never had a drink or a drug. I, I tend to believe him on that. I think that's probably a very truthful statement. The president does like his diet soda. But um, a lot of people question his sanity. I don't. I think he might be pretty darn clever on, on a couple levels, and we'll get into that. But we were talking about drug testing world leaders, and I do think that before we get to some of these um, G20 meetings, these Security Council meetings, I think you ought to prove that you are in your right freaking mind. I think, I think you, you ought to have to take either a breathalyzer or we get, you're going to have to pee in a cup or, or we're going to take some blood and we're gonna, or maybe just a hair follicle test. Of course, right at the top of the list has got to be Kim Jong-un right now. And he's up there with uh, Duterte, the Philippine guy who talks about going in and, and, and just executing people uh, as suspects in drug deals and drug dealers. But Kim Jong-un, I want to know, because I, I have a tendency to think, uh, while he's not stupid, he's a party animal. That's been well known for a while. So I would drug test him. I would drug test Duterte. Um, I also think, um, somebody said Angela Merkel. I got a text from somebody said, what about Angela Merkel? No, I just think she enjoys a beer every now and then hour. The Venezuelan leader, Nicolas Maduro, might be, he might be questionable, you know? Uh, let's see, who else is on that list of possible? Is Putin? No, I think Putin's a megamaniac. Megalomaniac. I think he's a megalomaniac who, who probably doesn't do anything other than drink. Vodka. Lots of vodka. So while Putin, I think, would drink... And I suspect the guy, Maduro, who's just so over the, over the top on his attacks on drug dealers, I, that usually says to me that guy's probably got a drug problem. Because, you know, every time he, he brings all those people in, guess what? He's harvesting all of their inventory, too. Of course, uh, take all their inventory and deliver it to the palace. Somebody said, what about Bashar al-Assad of Syria? Again, I think... I think megalomania eliminates your need to have any sort of chemical stimulus. So I would not think that Bashar al-Assad would be a drug user. But right now at the top of my list of suspects, the people I would test before we had any, any absolute discussions on meetings with them would be uh, Kim Jong-un and uh, Duterte. I'd put them right at the top of the list. And then right after those two, I'm going straight to Canada. We're going right up to the Canadian Prime Minister. Yeah. 
the guy that that I, I have to tell you, I'm I'm watching him and I'm just thinking, what's going on here? Justin Trudeau, the one they call the cute one, right? Why why do I think Trudeau has a would would fail a drug test? Why do I think I'm betting there's some Canadian cannabis running around the prime minister's office, maybe in his living quarters? And all you have to do is listen to him yesterday. The Canadian prime minister in front of uh, the press yesterday talking about North Korea and what's going on in North Korea. And all I'm saying is, uh, dude, seriously, listen to this. We need to uh, ensure that we are working uh, together with our allies uh, to find a path forward there because uh, uh, a uh, nuclear power like North Korea that has shown um, a level of, uh, of responsibility and and um, yes yes go on yes well fundamental irresponsibility to, to not use a, a, a word like uh, crazy, which I will not use, um, is uh, uh, is of real concern. Of real concern. Didn't when the seagulls have more time on the microphone than your leader, you know you have a problem. That's forty seconds of gold from a a world leader, a key ally, someone whose troops fight alongside of our troops, whose planes fight along and fly alongside our planes in various conflicts around the world. And here he is talking about the leader, the nut job in North Korea. And he's, I, I, I have to play this again. How do you not want to drug test this guy? <sighs> Canada, what do you do? And you just can't play the, oh, he's the cute one card. Go ahead, Mr. Prime Minister. We need to uh, yeah. ensure that we are working uh, together with our allies uh, to find a path forward there because uh, uh, a uh, nuclear power like North Korea that has shown um, a level of uh, irresponsibility and... Um, 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, 3, 1,000, 4, 1,000. Five one thousand. Well, uh, fundamental irresponsibility to, to not use a, a, a word like uh, crazy, which I will not use, um, is uh, uh, is of real con- of real concern. Canada, seriously, Canada, what are you doing? Come on now. Can you imagine if an, if Trump did that? If Trump had a brain fart like that? In front of the press, there would be more calls for him to step down. Canadian Prime Minister, you might be the cute one in the world leader boy band. You're certainly not the smart one. Stepping aside. When we get back, we'll talk to our friend Phil Lempert. The supermarket guru joins us. Boy, is there big news in the food world. Huge news. And we'll share it with you next on Pure Opelka.
You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. And by the way, if you want to join the conversation on Twitter, it's at StuntBrain, or the studio lines are open, uh, 888-900-3393. We will be posting a vital question of the day just around the corner. Uh, Yesterday's question is finishing up its 24-hour tabulation. So after we get the results, we'll give that to you. I want to bring in uh, a gentleman that I've known, gosh, for just over a decade now. I had the good fortune to work with him back on radio uh, with our friend Whoopi Goldberg. And uh, he started coming on that radio show, and I never lost touch with him. Why? Because his information is universal, and he is obsessed. The way I'm obsessed with the weird stories I try to find for you guys He's obsessed with things that are going on in the food world, specifically in the grocery stores. Uh, Phil Lempert is his name. His website is supermarketguru.com. Phil is a guy. Phil turned me onto the Wegmans chain 10 years ago. And I tell you, I drive further to go to the grocery store if it's a Wegmans because of how accurate Phil was. So I, I want to try and weasel him into uh becoming a little bit regular on this show and help us understand food and the food world. So well, welcome back, Phil. I'm happy you're here during the week instead of just the weekends. Me too. And, and Mike, you know, we're both obsessed. Um, and that's a good thing because, you know, every week I visit between 10 and 15 food stores. I don't even want to call it supermarkets anymore because everybody wants to sell food. You know, uh, bottom line, a report just came out that showed that I think it's the number is something like 40 percent of all people who go to Ikea go there to eat, not to buy furniture, but they go there on a regular basis to eat. So it's all things food now. Well, Phil, have you had the Swedish meatballs at the IKEA cafeteria? Absolutely. I've had the Swedish ones, uh, the, the meat ones. I've had the veggie ones. I've had the chicken ones. And they're sensational. Well, it's amazing to me because, uh, you know, the IKEA food, you're absolutely right. The IKEA food is it's such a surprise. And you, you can actually get lost shopping in an IKEA, but they're smart, at least the ones here in the Northeast. They put the cafeteria up near the front, so Mm -hmm. they get people coming in and going eating right away. And there's a science to all of this, isn't there? The location in every one of these stores, as you said, food stores, this is all well thought out. It is, Mike. And, you know, the other thing about Ikea, before we leave that, is Ikea is now testing standalone restaurants not even to be part of the store. Um, and, and that's fascinating to me. But you're right. There's a science to everything. And if you take a look at Target, Target is a great example of somebody who didn't have a lot of science um, in where they put their food offerings. They've been struggling forever. And the reason is that the supermarket part of Target is usually hidden. It's not at the front of the store. And it's too expensive for them to actually reconfigure the store and bring it to the front because of you know electricity and water 
water and so on. So that's one of the reasons that Target is still struggling and Target's private label. Their Archer Farms private label foods are terrific and nobody knows about them because they're way in the back of the store. How dumb is that? Well, you know, now that you bring that up, um, I find myself not going to Target for a myriad reasons. But when I do go in there, I do look at the I have to go through the dog food and yep. the hair products <laughs> to get to the food. Yep. Just doesn't make a lot of sense. And that's why, you know, you brought up Wegmans. And in my opinion, Wegmans is, you know, probably the number one store um, in, in the country, privately owned, uh, still run by the um, Wegman family. Um, they care. You know, their, their customers are loyal. Their employees are loyal. Uh, the people who supply them want to work with them. That's what a food store should be. And there's so many changes taking place. Um, right now, you know, we have Aldi, uh, Lidl just opened up in North Carolina. We now have Whole Foods uh, being taken over by Amazon. Wow. You know, this coming year in the food business is going to see changes that we haven't seen in decades. Well, now, Phil, you brought up a couple of interesting things here. And, and for you who are just joining us, Phil Lempert is the supermarket guru and his, his site is supermarketguru.com. You brought up Aldi. This is an overseas chain that has come to America pretty, pretty recently, and they seem to be expanding very quickly. It's a store that uh, I've only visited one of them, and I was kind of impressed because their house brands, uh, they're pretty good quality, and the prices to me were, were very solid. I didn't, I didn't feel like I was buying an inferior product, and yet I was paying a, a really low price on things like vegetables, canned stuff. Well, Aldi is one of the biggest secrets because, in fact, Mike, it's been here over 30 years. It's hmm. been the probably the past five years that we're really hearing more about it. And also, don't forget that Aldi is the sister company to Trader Joe's. Um, you know, the same family that owns Aldi owns Trader Joe's. So what we're seeing is Aldi growing bigger and better. In fact, uh, the same week that we had the announcement of Whole Foods being taken over by Amazon, Aldi said, we're going to put in another $5.6 billion to renovate stores. We're going <laughs> to open up another 600 stores. And that was the same week that Lidl um, opened up. Now, Aldi and Lidl are both German chains, um, both very similar in, in Europe. Uh, bare bones stores, as you point out, great private label. Um, in fact, 90% of what they sell is their own store brand. And you'll save about 50% um, over what you would over national brands at a supermarket. Now, they look identical in Europe, uh, you know, concrete buildings, bare bones. Well, when Lidl opened up here about a month ago, it shocked everybody because all the retailers here had flown over to Europe to see what Lidl was about. Well, what they didn't know is Lidl was going to Americanize. And these stores are very glitzy, glass. They've won over 200 medals for their wines. They're pushing a lot more fresh food um, than Aldi does. But again, 90% of what they have is under their own store brand, and you're saving about 50%. And then to top that all off, they hire Heidi Klum, uh, not to be a spokesperson, but actually to sell her clothing in Lidl. So Lidl is designed for millennials who really care about food, who, who want a great experience. Well, now... If you told me that Heidi Klum was going to be a secret shopper, I might be seeking them out. <laughs> Love Not it. yet. Love it. Not yet. 
Now this this move by Amazon to take over Whole Foods, I see this as as more than just Amazon getting into a retail business. But when I when my mind looks at this, it says, uh oh, uh, Blue Apron and any of these delivery groups need to be on the lookout because Amazon's got this drone fleet that they're probably going to start utilizing. Uh, is that the ultimate end of this this purchase of Whole Foods? Um, well, uh, that's part of it. Um, and, and let me start by saying what I think is going to happen with Amazon um, taking over Whole Foods relatively quickly. Number one, um, they're going to lower prices. That's been the biggest problem with Whole Foods, the whole paycheck uh, slogan forever. Amazon is known about value. Um, so you're going to see those prices go down. To your point, you know what they now have is they ha- now have 461 depots, if you would. Currently, mm-hmm. Amazon has about 100 warehouses throughout the country. But think of a whole food store as as a warehouse. Um, so their Amazon fresh delivery by truck now can deliver to everybody. Uh, 90% of all Amazon Prime shoppers are within 10 miles or less of a whole food store. Very similar type of shopper. So what they're going to do is they're going to put everybody who's in the delivery business out of business. Um, what we're also going to see is they've been fooling around with meal kits like Blue Apron for a while. And uh, they have they have one with Martha Stewart called uh, Martha and Marley. Um, they now opened up their own meal kits about two weeks ago. Uh, so now you're going to have those meal kits delivered without all the extra packaging, not having to order two or three days ahead, not having to order three or four meals ahead. Blue Apron's out of business. I mean, they they were out of business the week before their IPO. Uh, their waste factor is too high. People just don't like getting those packages uh, that they have to toss out because millennials who are really driving meal kits, they're very concerned about the environment. So, you know, that whole business changes. In addition, now again, going back to that whole food store, what we've got is we now have 461 locations for Amazon lockers. So hmm. here's what here's what Mike and Phil are going to do. We're going to go to a Whole Foods. <laughs> We're going to have lunch or dinner. We're then going to take a glass of wine. We're going to shop around the store for everything that we want. Then as we go out, we're going to go into our Amazon locker and we're going to, you know, have that other 500 gazillion products that Amazon sells, you know, just right there for us. Um, and this is this is going to be game changing for every retailer that's out there. And the other thing that Amazon does, Amazon now brings in new, smart, cool talent into the food industry. So it's not a CEO who started as a bagger, who's worked there his whole life. We're going to get the Silicon Valley influence and intelligence into the grocery business, which is just so exciting. I'm thrilled. I love this. I love your obsession. Now, Phil, I've got about a a minute, minute and a half here. Oprah is getting into food. Well, no jokes intended, people. Oprah is, is getting into a food line with Kraft. She is. Um, And in fact, you know, it's not a new idea. I used to do Oprah's uh, TV show um, for years and and she would tell me, I really want to get in the food business and so on. So last year we saw her get involved in Weight Watchers as not only a spokesman, but a stockholder. Um, Their sales, their profits over doubled. And now she's unveiling a line of eight refrigerated products, soups Hmm. and salads and mashed potatoes um, with Kraft. 
It's a real smart move for Kraft Heinz because their brands are dying. It's a smart move for Oprah. And the recipes are not only delicious, but also very nutritious. She's really put a whole spin on nutrition for these products. I think it's going to be a major hit. Wow. Well, you heard it here first. His name is Phil Lempert. If you want to know more about what he's up to, because Phil puts out food reviews and great explanation about what's happening in in the food world and it's common sense stuff that ultimately saves you money and gets you uh in better health as well go to supermarketguru.com phil we got to connect and squeeze this in we'd love to have you back i would love to thank you my friend uh take care and we'll see you soon thank you talk to you and there he goes and here we go we'll be right back on pure opelka you're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Ah, welcome back to Pure Opelka. You know, the problem with talking to a supermarket guru like Phil Lempert is now I'm hungry. <laughs> that is the problem. And yet, uh, I'm always fascinated by someone whose obsessions create a career for them. Phil really has gone from being this guy who was an expert on a couple of different foods to being the guy, the go-to guy, who all of these shows and and his website become the focus of of um, anybody who wants to know about food. So they bring Phil on and he tells the story. And he does get, the coolest thing is if we could figure out how to get this done, he gets previews of stuff. You know, so when, when somebody like Amazon will start their, their boxed food delivery, he'll be one of those like beta testers for the food which is, uh, I think, just a, a wonderful thing. Coming up later today, uh, we still have in the next two hours, we have to get to the story about the Cuban embassy. Mr. Scaramucci is going to appear on Stephen Colbert's show, and I have some things to talk about in that arena. Australia, I, for years, ever since I was a young boy, I wanted to go to Australia. And I think it started when I was a kid and this dumb TV show, Skippy the Bush Kangaroo, came to America. And I wanted to, uh, I wanted to go to Australia. And unfortunately, uh, we couldn't. My mother was like, we're not going to Australia. First of all, they don't let Catholics go there. And apparently that was true like a bazillion years ago. Not now. But I've been enamored of Australia forever. And now I'm thinking Australia has, uh, has flipped its wig. Now I'm thinking maybe Australia is not a place I need to go to. And I'll explain to you why, why I think this. It might be New Zealand is the place that catches our attention. Uh, so we'll get into why Australia suddenly become uh, the don't go there place. And um, what happened to all that all the hubbub around the Democrats' new slogan, the better deal. 
Yeah, I have a question about that. Uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz as well. Is she in national security risk? Plus another vital question of the day. And what was a giant chicken doing on the on the uh, great lawn area in D.C. yesterday? Not by the White House, but within sight. What was a giant chicken doing in D.C.? I'll explain next on Puro Pelican. Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network.